Well, good morning, everybody, and, uh, and, and welcome to services. It's a great thing for you to start your, your day and start your week by worshiping together and uh, doing it with some great people, but a great Savior, our God in heaven, right? And, um, and so I'm going to ask you to walk with me. We've got some material I want to cover in, in study of God's Word and enlightenment, but then just encouragement as well. The new series for August is called Dream Again. We're, I'm going to be in Psalm chapter 16 and then in Acts chapter Acts chapter 1, Psalm 16, Acts 1. If you have a Bible, turn to those two passages. Uh, and then some of this will be on the screen, and then there'll be others. There's notes in your bulletin if you want to take some notes. Uh, that'll help you. Dream Against the Series. And, and today I've entitled the, the message, um, Going Back to Move Forward. And uh, sometimes you have to go back to, to be able to think forward. Like, wh- why am I doing this? Oh, yeah, this is why. And uh, because we all have dreams. We do. Uh, we have dreams of, um, of a great life. Kids grow up um, wanting to be teachers or astronauts. Uh, how many of you were alive when uh, we walked on the moon, 19 July 1969? Remember where you were? Every kid wanted to be an astronaut, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got home and I, I wrapped myself in tinfoil in the kitchen and <laughs> walked around until my mother came in. and Then I didn't sit down for about a week. <laughs> so. Kids want to be teachers, astronauts, race car drivers, singers. The dream of being on the winning team, throwing the winning pass, or catching the winning pass, or being in the winning, uh, winning role in theater, having the lead in a, in a musical, you, wanna, you, you dream of it. Then you grow up and you dream of getting into the college, and then after that dream is gone, you dream about going to any college, <laughs> and your parents are dreaming, just dream out of the house, please. Then you dream of the perfect wedding, right? You just dream of the perfect wedding, and the perfect house with the perfect little fence with the perfect little puppy and, um, and the perfect little spouse. And not all of those are true. This, the spouse one is, but the other ones aren't so much. Then there's the, the dream of being a perfect parent or the president of a perfect company. You, 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 you have dreams. We all do. And then something happens. We stop dreaming and, and the dream begins to fade and the reason it begins to fade is because we've stopped the anticipation, we've hit the, we've hit the pause button on the dream, and maybe it didn't die, maybe it just went to routine. It was, so the dream went on a shelf, in a closet, down a hall, or in a box, or went to the attic for a while, and it isn't that it maybe died, because every so often it comes back, but we have to manage that dream because we have to live life now, we have, to, we have bills to pay, Right? I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go, right? You sung that song, right? And then that same thing happens to us spiritually. It happens to us emotionally, not just physically. I hope you get the transfer of this concept because this happens to us even spiritually. There is a day when you trusted Jesus and it was the day you learned John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And the person who taught you that verse said, 
put your name in there and you did and you put your name in and that became like the best verse in the Bible and you had to find a way to share it with people because it was the dream and you went home and maybe you were a kid and it was the end of VBS you tried to tell your parents but they were too busy why because the dream had died and the dream was new to you but you realize you could be forgiven of your sin you could go to heaven or maybe it was the day you learned Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 for by grace you're saved through faith not of yourselves it's the gift of God he gave me a gift Jesus and I received the gift and I have eternal life and I'm I'm forgiven I can't believe it there's just the stress just melts off my back and out of my neck and it's just ah it's like the muscles have relaxed because I know I'm forgiven you can't help but tell that story because the dream is so fresh and then one day it's not quite as fresh and then the next day it's not as fresh and then the next day it's it's on the shelf a month later it's it's in a closet somewhere in a box down the hall and we've forgotten to dream spiritually and what i want to suggest is this sometimes we have to go back backwards to figure out what it was the dream was to be able to move forward we have to figure out what caused that dream and, and what the foundation of that dream was so then i can dream again in the future so today's message going back to move forward and when god created you and me he did so knowing that jesus would come to earth and by the way some people have always have thought that this death of jesus and the burial and the resurrection was like plan b like we planned that we actually planned for him to be savior no no he was going to be savior but he had to pay for the sins so that was never god's plan b that was his plan a that he would be despised and rejected of men and he would be alone and on the cross and he would he, he would pay for our sins and and so we would worship the lord god of heaven because he would love us with an everlasting kind of love jeremiah would say and then he would he would say this i want you to not only love me but i want you to love people connect with people and you're saying you know what i love god but i i don't really love people i i don't even like people how many of you would say i most days i don't even like people it's okay you're in church yes yeah, yeah yeah we're laughing you know why it's no surprise to us we knew it before you raised your hand and i raised your hand mm, yeah yeah so it, he wants us to love him that's worship love people that's connection but he wants us to grow to serve to share why because you work out your faith that way and and you add impact or value to why he left you here on earth otherwise the day you trusted jesus he would have just zapped you to heaven no he has a, you on a mission here on earth and you have, to, you have to go back to that dream. He has you here for a reason. And it's to live out John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and maybe another verse or two that you have. So there is an Old Testament uh, passage that, that goes something like this from the Proverbs. And in the King James Version, it says, um, Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, people perish. You've probably heard that before. And you've heard that in a high school or college psych class, not knowing, oh yeah, that's from the Bible. Yeah, it is. When there is no vision, people perish. They self-destruct. And, and the word for, for vision there is the Hebrew word, word shazon. Kind of sounds like something from an Archie comic strip, doesn't it? Shazon. No, or Batman. It's, and some of you are going, calzon. Yeah, you're hungry. You'll, you'll have that later. Shazon. That word there for, is for vision, but it's the same word for revelation. In other words, if you don't get your eyes enlightened to what God has for you, you will self-destruct. 
it's the same word for vision. It's like the, the, the covering comes off. It's enlightenment, illumination. But it's more than that. It's actual lights going on. And it doesn't take much for you to see. That's why a nightlight is so very important. You don't need a, a ton of light in the night, just enough. And that's what this um, proverb is saying, Proverbs 29. In fact, the message puts it this way. If, if people can't see what God is doing, if they can't see that we're without vision, they will stumble over themselves. Haven't you seen that in life? Yes. They will stumble over themselves. And, and another translation says, they will cast off restraint. They'll just, they'll just go crazy. They'll do their own thing. They'll become um, controlling or compulsive or lazy or, or, or they'll, they'll go into causes and those causes are only temporary fixes because it's their issue. Because they, be, so they become champion over an issue that really doesn't matter about life. And why do they do that? Because they don't have any vision. They don't see what God has for them. They don't see the bigger picture. If people can't see what God is doing, the message, by the way, is a paraphrase of the scripture. It's not word for word, but it's a great way to get, capture the thoughts of the scripture. If, pe- if God, people can't see what God is up to in their lives, they will stumble over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, what they see in the vision, if they attend to that, if they act on it, what does the Proverbs say? They're blessed. They're blessed. Old Testament word, they're happy. Happy over and over and over. It's continually happy. In fact, some scholars say blessed is kind of a false short word. It's like blessed over and over and happy over and over. It's the idea of almost overjoyed. But what it is is there's such an inner sense of contentment. There is a, a real sense of inner fulfillment of regardless of what's happening on the outside, there's such an inner sense of that that you can't be tipped over. And now having said all that, go with me to Psalm 16. Uh, and it's important for you to get this because we just sang this. Some of you like these new songs and we go, yeah, the, that one's like 3,000 years old, dude. <laughs> we just sang a psalm. I'll show you. Uh, psalm 16, verse one. Keep me safe, my God, for I take refuge. In you I take refuge. This is not a good day for him. He's hiding. You get this? This is not a good day. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. In other words, I, I realize... I. Anything that comes my way, it's good. It's only because of you. And I, I dwell on the land. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more, verse four. I will not pour out libations of blood for such gods or take their names on my lips. In fact, I, I will not deal with it. I'm not gonna put up with it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let my eyes even fall on it. Uh, the other day, um, Juan and I uh, got home. We'd been on the road. We, we, we got home, plopped down a chair, turned the TV on, something came on it. It was uh, disgustingly vile, uh, and uh, before I could say, would you mind, and she was already like, boop, boop, gone. We're not going to do that. Did you get that? He, that? It was essentially, she's living out, verse 4, I'm not going to run after those other gods. Uh, they're just going to suffer more and more, and I will not pour out libations. I'm not going to offer anything to those. I'm going to turn it off, Okay? And so when disgusting stuff comes your way, you have the right to turn it off. Yeah. And he says, and, and I won't even put that on my lips. I'm not even going to talk about it. It's not why, because it's not worth talking about. Lord, you are alone are my portion, my cup. The boundary lines have fallen for me in, in pleasant places. But you see, I'm in trouble, he's saying. But skip down to verse 8. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord, with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We just sang this. 
I'll build my life on you, God, and what will happen? I won't be shaken. Skip to the end of the chapter, just for sake of time. You've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with into your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. In other words, when I follow you, even though it's a bad day, verse one, hide me, God, keep me safe. Even though it's a bad day, verse 11, end of the chapter, I have you and you're at my right hand and there are eternal pleasures. In other words, uh, Shazan, I see what you're up to and I am blessed. I don't have to worry about it. Now, you may be wondering, I, I wonder what God's dream is for my life or what God's vision is for my life. Well, God has made that clear in his word, Okay. And that worship, connect, grow, serve, share isn't just about South Potomac. It's actually about you. In fact, it has a lot less to do with church today and a whole lot more about your own spiritual journey. Um, and you may be I'm wondering, I wonder what God's will is for my life. But by the way, every so often we'll hand out surveys and you'll, you'll hand them back in. You'll, you'll hand, right, uh, we've asked you questions. What would I like to have a sermon on or a Bible message on? Or here's a question, or this is a friend of mine who doesn't attend church, this is his big thing, this is a big question. So we'll answer those questions in the messages. Do you know what always comes up? Uh, always, always comes up, whether people attend church or not attend church, it doesn't really matter. Always at the top of it is, is this one question, it's I, I need to know God's will for my life. I, I need to know the path, okay? And so if you knew the path, you would not be as shaken because you'd know uh, it may be rocky right now, but at least I'm on the right path. Okay, so what I want to do is just, I want to give you the five aspects of the path for your life. Number one is this. You were planned for God's pleasure. The Lord delights in you. Psalm 149, for the Lord takes delight in his people. Even salvation. But, but, but that's what we call worship. And you just need a place for worship. You need it per, personally, privately, you need moments of it, but you also need a place, like here. Good that you're here. You were made to give worth to God, to give honor to him. Secondly, you were formed for God's family. He chose us, Ephesians chapter one. He adopted us as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure of his will. You need a place in life where you connect with God's people. You were made for not only relationship with God, but you were made for relationship with God's people. Real, safe, honest, open relationship. You were made for that. Thirdly, you were created to become like Christ, Christ likeness. In other words, I, I'm born into the family. My hero, my savior is Jesus. I'm, I'm being transformed to be thinking like him and acting like him until we reach the unity of the faith, Ephesians chapter 4, the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attain to the full measure of the of the fullness of Christ. I want him in my life more each day. I want to act like he acts, think like he thinks. We need a place to grow in our faith because he puts eternity in our hearts. He gives us better perspective. He helps us, he helps us grow, okay? And, and that's why you always need a growing point in your life too. So if, if you're 60 years old or 70 years old and you're learning a new language or a new skill set or you're taking on a new hobby, hey, great. He wants you to do that. That, that keeps, it, keeps the mind not only uh, limber, but, but it helps you to grow as a whole person. Keeps you interesting. Okay? Number four, you are shaped for serving God. You weren't, in, in, you weren't placed here on earth to receive salvation 
to enjoy God and just take in his blessings. No, you're also meant to be useful in a community, in an environment, in a family. And, and Ephesians chapter two says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're saved by grace, but now we're, we're saved unto good works. In other words, we're to make the world a better place. Not just take up space, but we're designed really to make a difference and make a difference for something that really matters in life, something that really matters. And then number five, you were made for a mission. So be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity, Colossians 4 says. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you'll know how to answer everyone. In other words, you were, you were made to tell your story. We, we all need encouragement to share the best news in the world. In fact, here's what'll happen. It, when, when you go back to the dream, to John 3.16, the day you trusted Jesus, you just want to tell people, right? Okay? All right. So it's like the engaged girl who's getting married. And um, she's so excited about getting married. And she loves the guy, but she loves the wedding, too. It's okay to say, oh, yeah. So she loves the guy, but she really loves the wedding. Oh, yeah. And, and so when she goes in a store, she says, yeah, I'm picking out some napkins for my wedding. <laughs> right? Right? And then she goes somewhere else and she gasses the car and says, I gotta fill the tank because I have a lot of shopping to do for my wedding. Right? Right? And then um, she goes to work and says, boy, it's really warm in here. It's so hot in here. I may have to take off my wedding ring for a moment. She'll find a way to interject it into the conversation. Does that not happen? Sure it does. Yeah. So it is. When you dream the original dream, you trusted Jesus, you couldn't help but tell people about Jesus. And then something happened. And it got put in a box. And then that box got taken down the hall. And then got put in a closet. And then you bring it out every so often, but not very often. Not very often. You ever brought something out of the closet at home and said, man, this is really good. We should have brought this out a long time ago. You ever done that? Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's called life. Go to the closet, pull it out, and put on the very things of loving God, worship, loving people that's connecting, growing in your faith, serving people, and serving the Lord, and telling the best story in the world. That's your mission in life. That's God's will for your life. Now, I don't know where you are in those. You may have some strength and some weakness. And in a moment when we close it, we're going to talk about what's your strength and what's your weakness. I'm, I'm not sure building off of your weakness is the smartest strategy. Maybe building off one of your strengths is going to be. But God has a design, a chazon, if you will, a vision for you. And it will be different than anybody else's. And that's okay. But God has a plan set out for you. And if you'll follow that plan, your life will not be shaken and you will live to be blessed and be a blessing and when you arrive in heaven it'll be a a wonderful thing and you'll have made a huge huge difference in life let me tell you a story now i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap up the sermon but let me tell you a story what happened to me just a few weeks ago um the funeral home a funeral home across town called me and said hey could you do a funeral for this guy who died and uh, usually that's the way it goes 
kind of implied. Okay. I don't know him. Uh, well, tell me about him. Well, uh, he worked for government. Oh, big surprise. He lived in D.C. He worked for government. Well, he worked for Justice Department. Oh, he did, yeah. Uh, how old is I, I ask him, is this stats? Let me see if my schedule's free. Uh, but if I get the opportunity to give the gospel, I will. And, and then the funeral director says, they wanted a Christian pastor who loved Jesus and who would give the gospel. I said, oh, I'm in, I'll do it. Okay, if I'm available, I'll do it. He's 102 years old, okay? Now, he, here's the story, it gets better. Because you're gonna wish you'd gone with me that day, okay? <laughs> this is how good that day was. 102 years old, so now I'm thinking, not a lot of people are gonna show up at this funeral because most of his buddies are dead, right? In fact, the ones who are in heaven are thinking, hey, he didn't make it, yeah. okay? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> You're laughing, but he's not, okay. So anyway, so I get the info on this guy. Well, then I, I reach out to the wife. Who's gotta be ancient? I mean, this is, she's a collector, should be in an antique store, you know? She's old. And she says, my hearing's not very good, but she, and then she says, we wanted a Christian pastor, and then she goes on to say, our pastor's gone. And she said, everybody we know has died. And they attended this, she told me the name of the church, it was in the district, and then they moved out to Oxen Hill, and then they, you know how it is, they come out of the district as they retire, and she says, and, and all of our friends have died, and then the church changed hands, it's changed hands a couple of times, and she says, we don't know the last couple of pastors because we were old when that guy got there. You know, and you think about it, it's true. Well, then she, she says, um, uh, my husband wrote a book and my son will stop by and give it to you. Oh, good. Now I have to read 200 pages prior to the funeral. So the son stops by and he says, um, let me give you like six pages to read. <laughs> this will give you the life of my dad. He said, my dad was a believer in Jesus, but he grew up in the South, very, very, very poor. And um, he said, so uh, his mother died, his dad remarries, he, the new mom hates him, he, he can't get any food, he has to steal to get food. Uh, his dad puts him in the Conservation Corps and then takes the money that he earns from Conservation Corps. Okay? It's 100 years ago. Um, so he's a teenager, doesn't finish high school because he's in the Conservation Corps. So what does he do? He runs away and joins the Navy. At least then he can get his own check. Okay? Unfortunately, after he joins the Navy, Pearl Harbor happens. Okay? And um, he survives Pearl Harbor. He ends up living in uh, World War II in the Pacific and uh, actually ends up in, in the Atlantic and then back in the Pacific and uh, comes home, goes back to Louisiana where he's from in the South, and, um, and uh, gets a, uh, a bill to, so he can get some education, decides I wanna become an attorney. Becomes an attorney, and, uh, and he realizes all the bad things that have happened to orphan kids like him, so he goes into the orphan side. This is where the, all the bad stuff of your life, he decides I'm gonna fix all that. And while he's there, I need to tell you too, this guy's white living in the South, working on orphan care. This will all make sense in a moment, or in 20, 30 minutes or so. <laughs> he, he starts to do work because the orphan system is so unjust, and he, he knows how wicked this thing really is. And while he's there, 
he sees the racial injustices happening. And so he goes after those. And now he's got people parked outside of his door at night, circling his house, because he's now called out as a prosecutor, the judges in the counties where he served because of the anti-discrimination laws. And he realizes I'm not safe here. Why? Because he stood for what was right. This is, a, you get this? What was so wronged in his own life becomes what he champions. And, he's, it, and it transfers over from orphan care to this racial inequity. And he realizes this, this black kid doesn't stand a ghost of a chance with that judge because the judge is getting money in the pocket. And so he starts sending judges to jail. That doesn't go well. And eventually they say, you can't stay there because you're not going to be safe. And so he ends up working for the Justice Department in D.C. and working through many of what we enjoy today are some of the great benefits. But this is a guy who would have done this in the 1960s. I mean, I mean think about this. I mean, this guy's been retired 40 years before most of us went to work. All of that bad in his life that started out became, in God's plan, all of his empathies for good. Do you get this? I tell you that story. It's a long story. But I tell you this. I don't know what your experiences are from the past. And they may be bad and evil and destructive and stuff you want to shut the door on. And I don't blame you. But God has a vision for your life. And maybe part of that bad is to be the impetus for the good. Okay? All right. I'm reminded it comes to me so clearly and may come to you. You meant it for bad. These are the words of Joseph going to his brothers who sold him into slavery. I cannot imagine. I have been mad at my brothers, but I've never actually thought about selling them, you know? (laughs) They sold him into slavery, and he comes back years later to say, you meant it for bad, and God meant it for good. And so I, I tell you that to say, I don't know what your chazon is, what your vision is, I do know this, God wants you to love him with all your heart and soul and strength, that's worship. He wants you to connect with God's people. And so keep that up. Be as open and honest as you can with another brother or sister in Jesus. Be growing in your faith. And don't just be growing in your faith, make sure that you're serving. Work up some muscle in that faith. Don't just gain weight, that's a good thing, but you need to gain muscle in that weight. That's called serving. And then tell the greatest story in the world. That's. That's when you're on mission. You're sharing your faith. And if you'll do those things at an increasing rate, you will find yourself being ever so blessed. It may not always be happy, Psalm chapter 16, verse 1. Keep me safe, God. It doesn't feel that way right now. But I know, verse 11, you make known the path of life for me, and it is eternal blessing. Your pleasures are at your right hand. I know ultimately it will work. Okay, now, having said all that, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Now, let me just close with, with one word picture, and it's like concentric circles. It's from Acts chapter 1. Right after Jesus, you had the four stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And then all those four are happening all at the same time. It's just different stories of the same life. And then when he dies, rises from the dead, the next thing that happens is Acts chapter 1 in, this, in the historical lineage, if you're timelining this out. And so Jesus has already paid for the sins of the world. He's been buried, he's risen, and now he's spending a few days with his disciples before he goes back to heaven. And, he's, and they gather around him, verse six, and they ask him, 
When are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay, he has just died and paid for the sins of the world. And they're wanting to know, so when do we get to take over? This is very similar to another passage where he says, I'm going to die and it's going to be ugly. And they go, yeah, but can we sit at your right hand, your left hand? Okay, this is an appropriate question, people. You see, here's the deal. There is always going to be a penchant within you and within me and within a church body to turn inward or to make it about us, to have control or power or something else that makes it crazy. And this is the evidence of it even happening with the disciples. And Jesus responds, it's not for you to know the days or the times. The Lord will take care of that. But I do know this. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet. Why? Because Jesus is still there. Now, here's what we know. We, we know this. What happened with the New Testament church is after Jesus went to heaven, the Holy Spirit came. And then every time after that, when people trusted Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved in. He said, you wait for the Holy Spirit. When he comes, you will be my witnesses. Verse 8. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, and the ends of the earth. When that faith all comes together, you will be witnesses witnesses of the power of God to forgive because you've been forgiven witnesses to the patience that you possess because someone was patiently waiting for you to come in faith you'll be a witness to God's eternally glorious grace because you have been graced yourself with God's favor you you will be a witness of truth because you have found a solid rock foundation to build your life upon you'll be witnesses by the way, a witness is a witness. A witness just tells what they know. What they don't know, they say, I'm sorry, I don't know. I didn't see it that way, or I didn't see it at all. This is what I did see. That's what a witness does. A witness, write this down, is not the judge, okay? The witness is not the jury. The witness is not the prosecutor. The witness is not the bailiff. The re- witness is, is not the court recorder, okay? He's not the defender. The witness is the witness, All the witness does is just tell what they know. All I know was once I was blind, now I see. That was the witness of the guy. Okay, so he says, you go and you make a a difference in your world and you're gonna do it in three different spheres and you do it in Jerusalem, that's your own hometown. So wherever you are this week, that's where you're to witness. You're to tell your story and, and repossess that dream. And then in and then in Samaria and Judea, that's the surrounding area. Now, what that is for us is this. It's people who are different from you, close to you, but still different from you. Might be culturally different, economically different. And for the Jewish guy in that storyline, when he hears Jesus say that, it's not going down well. You know why? Because he can't stand Samaritans. And, and when I say that, you can't stand, and then you fill in the blank. Okay? Whatever that is. And it may be for you, an ethnicity or a people group or an age or whatever that would be. And your job is to be a witness to people closest to you and the people who are slightly different from you. That's Judea, Samaria. And then you're to be a witness all the way around the world to the outer ends of the world. So make a difference in my world. Mark chapter five, Jesus said, go, I love this, go home to your own people, Jesus said, and tell them. So go home to your own people. Tell the story at your own home. Um, you be the first responder to your friends and your family. Just tell your story. But then secondly, make a difference in your own world. Secondly, then make a difference beyond your world. 
In other words, you're gonna have to adapt your life a bit to reach the people who are different than you. And Paul writes it this way, 1 Corinthians 9, 22, 23, I become all things to all people. Why? So that by all possible means I could save some. I, I may have to limit my freedoms. I may have to change my language. I have to eat different foods or listen to different music. That's okay because the universal language here is gonna be love. They're gonna get that if I just love them and I witness, tell my story, make a difference beyond my comfort zone and then be the witness all the way around the world. He says, I consider myself worthy of, to me, nothing, uh, to, nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. Another translation says, and complete the mission that the Lord gave me, Acts 20, verse 24. So I just encourage you to get on board with something worldwide. And for some of us, that sounds really daunting. It sounds like incredibly hard. It's not, it's really not. Um, and then others of us would say, uh, you know what they need? They need more preachers and teachers. They really don't. I mean, preachers and teachers are nice. Um, and they'll always need preachers and teachers. They'll never turn one down. But they, the world needs them all, all the way around the world. I, I, a number of years ago, I met a couple who had just returned from the Ivory Coast of Africa. Uh, it's, the country's called uh, Cote d'Ivoire, if you're looking it up. It's right at the... Liberia, right on the west coast of Africa. Uh, this guy was a diesel mechanic. Uh, so he, he, he worked on freight liners and, big, and Max, I almost said Big Max, Max, <laughs> Mac trucks. Um, he could fix cars too, but he was a diesel mechanic. He'd made his money, had his retirement, the, he and his wife had had children, those children were raised, the house was paid for, and, but he's, he, so he's old enough to retire and he has this nest egg, so he's made his money now he wants to make a life, and he's home. He's about to come home and bug the heck out of his wife. It's called retirement, and she's going, I, I don't think I can do this. I'll go get a job someplace if you're going to be home all day. How many women know that? No, no don't raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I only know this because my mom got jobs for my dad in retirement. My dad didn't even know. He goes, what does it pay? She says, I don't know. You're going. <laughs> when you get to heaven, look up my mom and dad. My mom's still on earth. My dad's in heaven laughing right now. So um, this couple was in retirement. Still had good health, but had their nest egg houses paid for. And so they live for about... Um, you know, about 10 days a year, five days at Christmas and five days in the summer, you know, when they see grandkids, that's it. And so they look at each other and go, what could we do? So they decided, let's go overseas. So they went overseas to Cote d'Ivoire and he did mechanical work. There's a mission there that's actually a compound that has a school, has a number of churches in the outlying area. It has an outreach of churches, but it has a small school. It has mission kids. There are like 50 missionaries. And then there was a medical unit attached to them, kind of a clinic, not really a full hospital, but they called it a hospital. But they had machinery. They did first aid, and they had a, a, a number of staff uh, doctors and nurses there. And so there was this big compound with a lot of equipment and preachers could yell at the trucks, but they couldn't fix them. It's just the way it is. And so this guy shows up. Oh, he's got a laundry list a mile long. He just starts fixing stuff. He just goes into town every day, buys more fix-it parts, 
And then, of course, missionaries are coming and going, so as they go back to the States, they have to go back for something. He would give them a list. I need these distributor caps. I need these. I need a box of spark plugs. I need, you know, just stuff he needed. He fixed uh, vehicles, and then he started fixing refrigerators and then air units and air handlers and just all the equipment that would be at a, at a clinic, at a hospital, and then it would be at a school, drinking fountains. He just, would, he just kept going because he was just Mr. Fix-It. Do you understand this? He was doing mission work to keep these others on mission. Does that make sense? Isn't that cool? They, you know, now, they could have stayed home and watched Jeopardy every night. But instead, they watched the sunset off of the Pacific, or off of the Atlantic Ocean facing New York. It's out there somewhere. What a way to age, huh? Okay, Uh, I'll tell you another one. I just saw a video this week, and it's not so distant. It was with uh, two of our own missionaries in uh, Papua New Guinea. And uh, it was the aviation a piece of their video. It's called Ethnos 360. You can get on YouTube and catch the video. It's about a five-minute video. It just tells the story of, of uh, this aviation team and what they do to get the good news out and help plant churches and uh, do some relief work and some first aid safety work, but they need mechanics. And so they're not asking for preachers or teachers. They need airline airplane helicopter mechanics that's all part of being part of being on mission and it could be that you have made your time for you to make your mission come alive it could be that you say i have a nest egg then take that couple spent four years in cote d'Ivoire. it wasn't forever it's four years and then they're home and they came home at christmas um you know they'd fly home and, and see the grandkids and then go, oh, this snow's killing us. We're going back. <laughs> Isn't that cool, though? And um, they, have, they have the next four years to kept up, catch up on their Jeopardy episodes. But you, understand, you understand how small our world is if you turn it inward and how big it is if you turn it outward. So here's what I want to do. I want to take just a few minutes. If you've been writing notes, good for you. Take those words again. Uh, worship, connect, grow, serve, and share. And... They're in your notes. You've been taking notes. But what I want you to do is, I I want you to worship, loving the Lord your God, connecting with God's people, growing in your faith, serving serving somewhere, God's people, and then sharing the the best news in the world. Of those five terms, circle maybe your, your strongest one. You say, I'm doing pretty good here. Okay. Now, the surprise to you is this. I'm not going to ask you to underline your weakest one. Actually, what I'm going to ask you to do is go to your second strongest or your third strongest. Maybe your third strongest one. Maybe one that's okay. You may say, you know what? I, I have a good relationship with the Lord in worship and quiet time with the Lord, but I don't serve really well. But it's not my worst one. It's just Okay. And what I want to do is I want you to lift the level of that one because you're going to have a better chance of success because it's already partly in motion. You say, I do serve some, but not consistently. So you say, okay, this fall season, as we head into the fall season, I'm going to dream again, and that box of serving is going to come off the shelf, down the hall, it's going to come out, and we're going to open it up on a coffee table in the living room. And we're going to, we're going to develop that one this fall. For you, it may be that 
you're good at worship, but not so good at connecting with God's people. You're saying, okay, this fall, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work harder at the connection one. It's, it's a, on a one to five, it's a three right now. Okay? And I, I'm not even asking you to work on your worst one. I'm asking you to work on one that's kind of average. So you have your best one, and then you have one that's just okay. And that one is the one we're gonna focus on in prayer right now. Would you bow with me? You're holding the, your notes out and you're, you're ready to pray. And so I was, as we pray, I'm gonna pray out loud, but would you just right where you're seated, just thank the Lord, that strong one, whichever one it is, just thank the Lord that that one is alive and well and tell the Lord you want to not back off of that one at all. But God, what we want to do is we want to keep that one going full steam, but there's another one that we need to work on just a little bit. It's doing okay, but we want to really bring that one up a notch. And you, between you and the Lord, help me dream again. And for what you do, God, we will be grateful. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.